With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. He's a well-respected high school football scout. Known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You know, listening to the transparent truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. I'm in the building, intercom, Miracle Mile, Maslin and Wilshire on a Tuesday. I know you're hearing this on a Wednesday. It's a transparent truth, baby. Nobody does it like we do it. Speaking of we, I got to bring in my co-host, Mr. Greg Biggins, 247 Sports. How are you, GB? I am good. I am good. How are you? You know what? I'm feeling very uneasy. Uneasy, Greg. You want to know why? Sure. Today's show... Today's show, the headlines for today's show. We're going to talk some recruiting. Well, we got a sleeper out of the state of Texas who I really like. Has no offers. Talk a little Brew McCoy, a little Chris Steele. Talk a little Narbonne football. But man, just uneasy, Greg. Uneasy times out there for a lot of people in a lot of different places. And man... Can we? I just want to get on some solid ground, man. Everything seems so built on such a shaky foundation these days. <clears throat> it's tough. It's tough. I just want to get to some solid ground so we can just talk some football. But, GB, let's move into recruit. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. Because that's how we do. Go ahead. Take it away. So let's talk a little bit about Cal. They had a, a nice recruiting weekend, had some big-time official visitors, talking about Kobe Pepe, talking about Clark Phillips, uh, a few other players from out of the state. Picked up a commitment from a, a sleeper quarterback that I want to say we had as one of our sleepers of the week, and yes. that was Zach Johnson yes, sir. from Hart High School. Uh, he took his unofficial visit. He didn't take an official, but took an unofficial visit over the weekend. And just, uh, you know, it's cliche, but he fell in love with the place and decided that that was where he wants to go. So they're taking two quarterbacks. Obviously, their dream scenario would be uh, Zach and and C.J. Stroud from Ranch Cucamonga. Uh, They love, obviously, both those two kids. But, uh, you know, Zach told me combination of academics and and alumni support after football is over, uh, combined with the offense and the scheme and the depth chart and all that stuff just really, you know, really works for him. So Zach Johnson uh, committed to Cal and just a, a pretty solid overall weekend. I mean, it, it sounds kind of far-fetched, but they actually have a, a sincere, maybe a little bit more than a puncher's chance at Clark Phillips, who's, you know, a top 50 prospect. I think Ohio State and Notre Dame might be the top two, but Cal is right in – that's his top, top three right there. And I think the weekend – visit was was big for Clark and I actually think they they got a realistic chance I'm not saying they're the favorite but they got a realistic chance Keith said this a couple of shows ago Greg 
Berkeley has to be a very attractive destination for Southern California kids and just kids nationally. You talk about Northern California in the Oakland area, the Berkeley area, a beautiful campus, a tremendous public school education, Pac-12 football, young, hungry, energetic coaches who've done a great job of developing young talent as they've got them into the program. Clark Phillips doesn't surprise me one bit interested in playing for Coach Jared Alexander as a DB coach, playing for Coach Wilcox as the head coach there at Cal Berkeley. Doesn't surprise me one bit. I think it's a really good fit for Clark, if you ask me. Uh, you know, when you talk, when you talk about, um, you know, Cal and the defense that they play, that attacking style with that aggressive cornerback play, to go along with a pass-happy conference like the Pac-12 suits a cornerback just well. No doubt. And I, I think... You know, Clark's a very smart, intelligent kid, as is his family. And, you know, I think a lot of times kids get caught up in the whole, I need to pick the biggest name school for me. Dude, I'm as big a football fan of Cal as you are. Love what Coach Alexander has done. He's developed some DBs. And honestly, I wasn't sure how good they would be in college. That's a great defense. Now, saying that, let's keep it real, because this is the transparent truth. Uh, Is Cal going to compete for a national championship the next three to four years? I don't see it happening. Uh, will Ohio State every year? Will Notre Dame? They're just in the playoffs. So, do you are you sacrificing maybe team goals uh, for individual development? Maybe a little bit, but at the end of the day, I think you have to go where you think you can. Number one, get developed. Number two, uh, play. And number three, if your ultimate dream is the NFL, then what school gives you a better shot? And I think you know a lot of times kids you know, need to look more into that than thinking, okay, well, this school has a bigger name or this school, you know, is probably going to win more games. I need to go there. Not realizing that, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So just something to think about. Yep. No question. Uh, Also committing this past week, Keith, was Mason Williams, younger brother of Max Williams. Uh, Mason committed to Arizona State, uh, came down to ASU, Oregon, and also Tennessee. But ASU was a pretty longtime leader. And uh, kind of cool the way he did it. He committed on June 1st, which was uh, he's really close with his, his grandmother. She died a year ago on that day. So he wanted to pick that day kind of, you know, to honor her. And uh, that's what he did. So Mason Williams going to ASU. Yeah, I think it's about time for us to start to stop kind of um, mentioning the little brother of Max. I think Mason's made a name for himself, really stood out last year in his Sarah secondary there in Gardena, now transferred over the Narbonne, commits to ASU. Herm Edwards, Antonio Pierce, get their guy in a cover corner who's got a physical edge about himself and can play the football down the field. Also a very good athlete, Mason Williams, going to be a sun devil in Tempe. Sun Devil and Tempe, correct. Uh, and as far as commitments, uh, that is about it. We had, uh, like I said, I, I mentioned there's you know a handful of players taking visits. Um, Jake Newman, uh, I believe, is visiting Missouri as we speak, taking a little midweek unofficial out there. Uh, also, uh, you know, keeping it local, Miles Morale. Um, you know, he, I believe, is going to be taking his visit to Washington. Uh, that could happen as soon as this weekend. And then also Narbonne safety, Jared Greenfield. He was actually supposed to commit on June 10th, but uh, he decided to move his date back. Um, I, I want to say he's going to commit now still late summer, but it might be closer to August. You know, he got a recent offer from North Carolina. And I had some people at Narbonne tell me that that was kind of a dream offer for him. He's always kind of just loved the Tar Heels. There's a family connection there somehow. And so he is 
no, no longer going to be committed on June 10th. Uh, he said he'll probably drop a top three. I do expect North Carolina to be in that. Uh, USC was another school that offered. ASU was heavily involved with him. Oregon is pretty heavily involved there. So um, Jared Greenfield is going to delay his decision just a little bit. Greenfield. I've said this for a long time on the show, Greg. I've really liked this kid ever since he was a freshman starter at Crenshaw. Played safety, still a very good safety. Now at Narbonne, transferred to Utah, back uh, Bingham High School, I believe, and then back now at Narbonne. Greenfield is a big time player, and um, man, the Tar Heels. That'd be a great pickup for new head coach Mac Brown and company down down there in Chapel Hill. What do you think, GB? Yeah, it's awesome. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there a couple times, you know, back in the day when the Nike Camp Tour took us, and it's it's a fun place. Beautiful campus. Chapel Hill's beautiful. Franklin Street is the street where the campus is kind of like the downtown. Sure. Uh, you know, it's where all the, you know, where you hang out. Downtown. All the stuff is. <laughs> all, all the stuff. That's the well said. Just all the stuff there. And it's a really cool, fun college town. And I always say, man, if you pick a school, go in and pick one. Where you're going to enjoy the whole atmosphere of what college is about, man. You're going to North Carolina, you know, basketball games, right. going to see them play Duke, and yep. and that that's all fun. It's got to be part of the process. So I think North Carolina would be a, a a great fit for Jared. What other schools is he looking at, Greg? If you don't mind me asking, I'm not sure if you said so or not. I'm just trying to get. Yeah. It. So Oregon yeah. Um, is the school. You know, he visited for the spring game. I think there was some buzz that he, uh, you know, he, he might be close to committing there. Um, the thing is, Oregon is is kind of filling up. Um, but, you know, a spot might be opening up, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, so ASU has made him a huge priority. Um, USC offered him earlier, uh, not this month, but last month, uh, after an unofficial visit there. So if I were to say this, the main schools compete with North Carolina, probably USC, Oregon, and ASU. Nice, USC, Oregon, ASU. Well, good luck to Jared as he uh, moves forward in his recruiting process. What's up next, GB? Yeah, I mean, again, just new offers, you know, flying out. But, uh, you know, sometimes it, it it's too hard to keep up with all those. So we'll just keep it right. short and sweet, and, and we'll kind of just say, hey, that's your recruiting notes for the week. Quick question. There is a national recruit blowing up at Sierra Vista High School. What do you know about this young guy? So, yeah, interesting situation. Um, you know, he didn't even play football last year. He's, you know... Uh, Foster care. Um, so, it's 2021 kid, as you mentioned, and a player who just physically, I have not seen him in person. I've only seen pictures and a little tiny bit of video, but a guy who just looks the part, Keith. I mean, the guy is probably 6'4, maybe 6'5, and like 240, and just looks like a natural, you know, freak of an athlete. And, sure. And schools are, are coming by. And they're seeing, I don't know if you said his name, it's Nick, Nick Demetrius, right? Yes. So, didn't play last year, but we're, you know, LSU's offering and Tennessee's offering and Auburn is offering. Um, now, are these, you know, committable offers? Probably not, right? I, I, I don't think a lot of those times, those big time national schools come in and throw offers out and people get excited about them and you can't commit to them. Um, right. But it's still, you know, it's still kind of nice to have, but uh, he's from, I, I want to say, Cathedral City. Uh, no junior tape at all right now. Again, um, just an interesting story and a guy that, man, it just you definitely want to root for. And I'm I'm anxious to see him in action. Uh, you know, that's Sierra Vista is small, small school. Mm-hmm. We're talking like maybe division like 12 or 13. So this kid should have like 89 sacks this coming season. 
just looking at his, you know, his raw tools and the division he's playing in. So, yeah, that's the story with him. Well, here, here's, here's something that we can reference from the past. The last time that San Gabriel Valley area had a, and I, and I say this with as much sensitivity as possible, a foster kid who blew up as a national recruit was way back in the graduating class of 1993, and that young man was Greg Biggins? Shoot, go for it. Lawrence Phillips, ah, the late, probably. great running back out of the University of Nebraska, Los Angeles Rams first-round uh. pick, or St. Louis Rams, whichever they were <clears throat> at the time. Um, he was a West Covina high school product, then transferred to Baldwin Park and went on to University of Nebraska, of course. Um, Dude, how good. Oh, my God. I know we were both we were both big fans of Nebraska yeah. back in the day, but I, I would say his, his just judging off his college tape, probably for me one of the five best college running backs I've ever seen. For those who haven't seen him, he was unbelievable. Yeah, so I mean, you know, when I was younger, my dad used to show me OJ Simpson, right? But I, you know, I'm not going to go back that far. Yeah, can't you, count those guys. right. So if you say from probably. I was born in 1980, so you go from 1980 up until you're talking about probably about four or five guys. You're talking about Herschel Walker. You're talking about Bo Jackson. Yep. You're talking about Lawrence Phillips. You're you're talking about Reggie Bush. Yeah, maybe Marcus Dupree, maybe, another yeah. guy who's just and he only kind of did it for a year, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Lawrence Phillips was a, a 500 yard rusher as a true freshman. Um, played in the national title game, and and that's the game that they lost um, to Florida State. Then came back and was a 1,900-yard rusher as a sophomore. They win the national title versus Miami and Ray Lewis and 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 Big Warren Sapp. <clears throat> and then his junior year, again rushed for over a thousand yards. Only played half the season, and then. You know, absolutely tramples Florida in the national title game. So a back-to-back national champion. Yeah. He was a Heisman finalist his sophomore year, I believe, and uh, probably would have won the Heisman his junior year if it weren't for the off-the-field issues. So, sure. Um, you know, it's crazy, Greg. I actually made a comparison to Lawrence Phillips, and I've never compared anybody to Lawrence Phillips because um, I got a story about him. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to share it right now, but I got a story. And Zach Evans, the running back out of the number one running back out of uh, North Shore, he reminds me a lot of Lawrence Phillips. Hmm. Not not so much, I don't think, in the way he runs or plays, but just his physical makeup, right? Just that running back physical freak body and frame and the the numbers that he can put up, computer numbers. It reminds yeah. me a lot of Lawrence Phillips, man. A lot of Lawrence Phillips. But um, yeah, man, that was the last time San Gabriel Valley had a had a situation like this. So, like you said, hopefully everything works out for for Demetrius, and um, he has a great season, and his grades are good, and he can go on and, and make something of himself and become something in life. So, uh, thank you, GB, for that recruiting love. We appreciate that. It was, it was nice to take a trip down memory lane there. Oh, I love doing that. Dude, that '95 Nebraska team to this day probably the most dominant team I've ever seen in college football. And I was so jacked when the Rams drafted Lawrence. Phil. I'm like, dude, yes, we got, we got to do, we got an all time great, and it just never happened. Never worked out. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've seen his documentary, right? You've seen his doc yeah. and and yeah. and um, yeah. the head coach. I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now, but Dick, Dick, Dick Romeo, yeah, where he talked yeah. about how you know his issues and his drinking problem, but 
Lawrence was he graduated my older brother's senior year and and I remember you know talking about him when he was a senior in high school man this is dude Lawrence Phillips in Baldwin Park and we saw some footage of him just could not believe what we were looking at it just looked like a it was like a freak show out there uh, he was the biggest guy on the field but he was the fastest and toughest guy on the field. Oh, just everything you could want. I mean, uh, you know, Adrian Peterson, another guy you can probably throw into that conversation. Right. I was just, he wasn't physically as gifted, but like Marcus Allen was my boyhood, like idol, you know, yeah. grew up pretty diehard SC back in the day. And I used to do an article on him for like third grade class, like every single weekend about Marcus Allen. So, but man, Lawrence Phillips, like just for the fun of it, just talking to the listeners out there, man, go YouTube, his stuff and just see what kind of dynamic guy this guy and Man. he had everything he, he had everything want, so. he had everything. everything yep yeah he could make you miss he could run by you he could run you over he could catch the ball um and then he was a dog he was the dog of all dogs i'll never dog forget ray dogs. lewis saying the toughest back i've ever played against was lawrence phillips he said i yeah. hit him with everything i had and he just got up screaming like you gonna have to kill me for me not to finish this game <sighs> And insane. It, man, it's just they I just they don't make them like they used to. I'm just going to say that. Let's move along. Let's move along in the show. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm getting a little too fired up. You know, <laughs> as we were talking though, Greg, one thing is is resonating in my head. If you look at those top 5 backs we just named, I mean, you talk about you know, Bo, Herschel, Bush, Phillips, Adrian Peterson. They four out of five have a lot in common. Bush was kind of a he was different, right? But yeah. his squad was different too, right? Sure. But taking away taking nothing away from Reggie, he was dope. But his squad was a little different. But those other four guys, they kinda they're built out of all the same mold. Big, fast, and just super and ridiculously tough. Yeah. So Zach Evans. I I like him in that same I'm not saying he's those guys. And, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. big, fast, super tough. That's what I see. So, um, And one more thing. Before we move on for recruiting, I want to give a big shout-out to my to my guy. And, and since working with the Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy and the World Bowl and all those things, um, I've really become like a, a national guy just in terms of uh, my presence and my communication with players. Big shout-out. To my guy over there at Duncanville High School, Jaquindon Jackson, the quarterback slash athlete, um, lost in the state championship game against North Shore and Zach Evans on a Hail Mary. But Jaquindon committed to Texas yesterday, Graham. I'm not sure if you saw that. You probably did because I know you're all over the recruiting stuff. And uh, I, I know this kid pretty well. We've, we've, we've talked a ton and um, great kid, great great kid, Greg. He's like a two or three time national title winner at the youth level. And he was more of a like a running back linebacker, and makes the transition to quarterback. Throws for fifteen hundred last year, rushes for fifteen hundred last year. That Duncanville team was exceptional. I mean, they gave up, I don't know, what was it sixty four. 54 points in 10 games. They were giving over like five points a game. And Jaquindon was amazing. They go to the finals against Zach Evans' team, and, and Jaquindon scores with, I don't know, 30 seconds to go to take the lead, and they end up losing on a Hail Mary. But shout-out to my guy Jaquindon Jack. He, he commits to Texas. And, you know, speaking of they just don't make kids like they used to, Greg, he's one of those guys that they just don't make anymore. Um 
He, he's not in it. He's not chasing hype around. He's not dropping the top twenty while he's committed, and then a top ten while he's already signed with somebody and gone off to college, and then a top five. He he doesn't do any of that stuff. You, you know what he does? He just works, runs track, four by one, four by two. You know, gets his gets his grades. I can I. I have a bigger appreciation for guys like that now than I ever have, considering the shenanigans that are out there. So shout out to my guy, Jaquinta Jack. Great kid, Greg. I don't know if you've ever met him. I know you'll be at the opening. Um, and if you get a chance, man, meet that kid. He's a, he's a great, great kid. No, I've heard I've heard nothing but good things from our, uh, our Southwest folk who have been yeah. talking to him for a little bit. So, yeah, no, I look forward to it. Yeah, no question. All right, let's move along. We got our sleeper of the week. Time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. And we're back. Our sleeper of the week this week's, ironically, comes from the state of Texas. want to give a big shout out to Mr. Luke Horn, Vista Ridge High School in Cedar Park, Texas. He's a six foot two, two hundred pound outside linebacker. Recently ran four five six at the SMU camp. Got a little, got a little bit of a personal connection there, Greg. So Luke has approached me the last two off seasons, um, after sophomore year, after junior year. Coach, can you evaluate my film? Absolutely, Luke. And I'm, I'm a, you know, people know that I'm a tough evaluator. I'm a point out to you exactly where you're flawed and exactly what you need to do to get better. And um, this kid has taken those evaluations and my suggestions for improvement. And he has worked relentlessly, Greg, relentlessly. He's at every camp. He's at, you know, showcases, camps, combines. He has a personal trainer. He's working with his team. He actually was played out of position um, his first two years at the high school. He's playing defensive end because they needed him to. He's really an outside backer, but very, very productive, athletic, long. He'll run and he'll hit you. He's smart. Um, not, I don't think he has an offer yet, but I'm telling you guys, this is a FBS player. Only 16 years old. Starting his senior year, only 16 years. So he's young for his grade. 6'2", 200, legit 4'5 guy, 4'5'5 guy. And uh, he'll run, he'll hit you. He plays with an unbelievable motor, tremendous passion. You talk about a kid who loves the game. We talked about that, you know, a couple shows ago. Guys who love it. Man, this kid dies for it. He loves it. And I love him. And he's going to get what he's looking for because he's not going to stop until he does. And luck and, and, and life has a way of finding guys like that and making sure they get rewarded. So Luke Horn. 
62200 out of Vista Ridge High School in Cedar Park, Texas. Outside backer, man. Can rush the passer, can run and hit sideline to sideline, can drop in coverage and make plays. Coaches, don't sleep on this kid. I'm telling you now. Luke Horn, congratulations. Transparent Truth Sleeper of the Week. GB, it's time to move along. I'm out of breath. <laughs> so we have a couple couple, couple things we want to talk about. So last week, Greg, we talked about Brew McCoy, his situation, his story. You couldn't really speak on much. Obviously, you didn't know what was going on um, based on some people on the Internet. Um, apparently, they say you didn't know, Greg. You said you knew, but you didn't know. And they just kind of laughed. And I'm like, wow, you really going at my guy like that? Talk to me, GB. What's going on? Honestly, I I did not know. Talk about Brew or talk about something else? No, 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 no. The Brew McCoy situation. Yeah. As if you didn't know what was going on or you didn't have the story and that you were keeping it under wraps. From From my sources, it's you didn't have the story and you weren't keeping it under wraps. But when the story broke, it was, oh, I had the story. I just couldn't say anything. I mean, I did honestly, I did not read read that or else I would. I mean, I probably wouldn't have fired back anyway. I don't really waste my time with trolls. But I mean, for, just for the record. Right. I, I knew what was going on. Right. For some time. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the dad is actually a friend. I mean, the wife and I went and had drinks with Horace and Shelby Saturday night. So this wasn't like your typical you know, reporter slash parents. I mean, I've known the family since Brew was in eighth grade. So right. it just, sometimes when you get close with a family, you can't put anything out. You're like, you're, you're the last person to release information because you're the closest to it, which sounds funny, but it's, it's the truth. Um, but I, mean, I think there was a reason why I was the one who got, you know, the actual statement from Brew with the reasons, right? I don't think anyone else had that. So I'll, I'll, I'll puff my chest up a little bit okay. and say, hey, you know, how, how was the guy that wasn't in the know, how did he, you know, how was he the one to be the first to report when it actually was official? You know, I, I get a kick out of the, the people from different sites who everyone knew he was leaving Texas, right? That was the worst kept secret. Right. And everyone knew he was going to enroll at USC, um, you know, which he is. So it, I was going to kick when, when people, you know, in their rush to break news that everyone knows they're going to break. They, they put it out there before it's even official just so they can look back and say, yeah, I was first. Right. right? It'd be like if everyone knew Keith Miller, you know, Austin Miller was going to be going to Gar High School. Right. But you didn't make a, a final decision yet. And someone said, hey, Austin Miller, going to Gar. See? Uh, and when it happened, see, I was first, even though it wasn't really news when you put it right. out there. So right. I think that's kind of what happened. Um, yeah. This was, it was a sensitive situation where you, you couldn't, put it out until it was official and no one brew can't go into the portal until texas puts him into the portal that's how this works mm-hmm. the school that you're transferring from is the one who puts you into the portal right when people were saying brews in the portal they hadn't told texas anything in fact 24 hours later they still hadn't told texas anything so how could he have been in the portal if texas hadn't been told he wasn't going there yet so and then also, you know, it was sensitive about, you know, the USC situation. The family had no contact with USC. And anyone who was putting out there that USC uh, was already talking to Brew and Brew's already going there, that's an NCAA violation. So for people to kind of recklessly tweet, yeah, Brew's told Clay Hell is coming, 
this is why he still enrolled that text. That, that's, that's a violation. So you kind of have to be very sensitive about how you report stuff. Even if everybody knows that's what's going on, you cannot report anything right. until it's actual. It's called journalism, right. right? You can't put something out there until it's done to protect all parties, to protect McCoy's, to protect Texas, to protect USC. Um, so whether you're first to report something or, or last, I've always believed, man, just wait and let the facts play out and then report it. You don't need to rush to try to be first to make a name for yourself. And, and I, I'm, I'm beyond feel like I need to make a name for myself. I just patiently waited. And when the family was ready and said, hey, we just told Texas, here's Bruce's statement, put it out there, I did. And there you go. Okay. I mean, that's, you know, nothing was said, you know, hey, Greg Biggins did this. It, it wasn't directly pointed at you, but I read between the lines. People actually reached out to me in my DMs and said, hey, this, you know, they're kind of taking shots at your boy here. So me being the man that I am, I'm always got my people's backs. So <laughs> I'd be surprised. I mean, I'd be surprised if people, if these were actual like recruiting people saying this. I mean, everyone knows that I've, I've been tight with the McCoy family and uh, for a long time. So now I, I saw people kind of subtweeting, you know, maybe other USC reporters and I, maybe, maybe that was misunderstood, but I, I'd be shocked if anyone thought I was, trying to pretend like I'm, I know something but can't put out because I don't know it. I mean, that's, that'd be just, that'd be absurd. Absurd things go on in life. <laughs> I, be- they I, be- do. I believe it they right do. there. So, so the Brew McCoy but, situation. But long story short, yeah. yeah, but Brew has left Texas, made it official last yeah. week. Yeah. It was, uh, like I said, man, it was stressful. And it was a situation that, you know, was, uh, was unexpected. If you know Brew, he's such a strong person. And once he makes his mind on something, you know, that's it. And once he decided to leave SC and go to Texas, everyone just assumed, hey, this is Brew making a, a man decision, doing what he thinks is best for him. He's going to go to Texas. He's going to kill it. And then the reality was he just he just wasn't happy there. And, again, can't disclose a lot of the reasons. It's not because I don't know in case there's people listening going, oh, he doesn't know. Trust me. Like, I know everything. And it's to know about this. But I know it was stressful for everyone involved and, like I said, that was the point about going for drinks Saturday night was just for the family, just the parents, just poor Shelby. The whole it was just it was very stressful. I mean, yes. they were getting before it just the DMs they were getting from people. Sure, just you can only imagine, right? So it was a uh, it was a stressful two weeks once Brew came home and said this is what he was wanting to do. Texas came in on a Wednesday with three or four coaches, including Tom Herman, for one last you know hey you're sure you don't want to come back and here's what we want you know it was another not a hard sell recruiting pitch it was just a hey you know we're still the same school that you chose in the first place you know here's what we you know we want you back can this be but you know brew just he wanted to be home and the one thing that the family and i know you'd appreciate this keith the one thing that you know i kind of said hey you know brew just wanted to be just wanted to be more comfortable right and and they're like no don't use that word comfortable like we don't like that word comfortable it was this wasn't about being comfortable we hate that he goes, you know, Bruce about being uncomfortable. He's about making tough choices and having to live and deal with those. Right. He goes, it's not about being comfortable. It's about this is what he felt was his best move. This is what he wanted to do. This is what he felt was best for him moving forward. And it's, it's not a comfort thing. You know, going to modern day wasn't comfortable. Right. You know, originally leaving USC for Texas wasn't a comfortable choice. That was a hard, tough choice. Coming back to, to USC, knowing they're going to get – completely ripped in the media and, sure. and called every name in the book. And, right. you know, they're going to say, oh, another soft, soft SoCal kid who couldn't make it in Texas, you know, big boy football. Everyone I heard, Brew was killing it out there. He was already running with the ones. 
doing really well and, and being a dominant receiver. He just, he just, in the day, just wanted to be home. Wanted to be and, home. And that's, you know, that's, that's kind of making it maybe a little too simplistic, but that's, end of the day, that's, that's kind of what the, the reasoning for it was. Just wanted to be home. No, understood. I was a, I was a young man who chose to go away for college, Greg. I know what that entails. It is not easy. It's not easy. You got to be you have to be a man. You have to grow up fast. You are on your own essentially. And um it it takes it takes a very mature, very tough-minded in a, in a, a person with a plan and uh, don't think I didn't cr- call back home and cry tears to my closest friend's older brother and say I was ready to, I wanted to come home I don't want to be out here I want to come home He's, and he told me Greg over the phone he told me I'm in tears now he says don't bring your ass home ain't, ain't nothing here for you there ain't nothing here for you at that point in time, I knew I knew I wasn't going home. I had to stay out there and, and handle my business. And that's what I did. Brew, same thing. He had the luxury, though, of having the portal and a portal being a way to kind of help his cause, right? If you want to come home at that point, the portal can help you get home. Without the same types of restrictions and, and so on and so forth, the red tape that you have to go to. So um, definitely believe, you know, he wanted to be home. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, if Texas, he figured out wasn't the place for him, he made his decision. So, uh, you know, good luck to Broom moving forward. And, you know, I, a lot of people said a lot of things, Greg, and I, and I went on public and said, went out in public and said, you know, I don't know a better person than Brew McCoy. Other than maybe Namdi Asamoah, I don't know a better person, and, and my wife, I don't know a better person than Brew McCoy. So, you know, don't give me the, you know, all the extras when it comes to Brew McCoy. Like, I'm not for that. I don't know a better human. So, he's back home now. I'm excited that he's back home. What about you? Um... I'm excited. I mean, that he's I'm, back excited home. I'm excited if he's excited. Yeah, I mean, I, I want what I always want what's best for the kids. I personally was kind of excited to see what he could do, you know, at Texas and and playing for a team that looks like a you know it's a Final Four team this yeah, year, right? Yeah, the, no, yeah, they got a good the quarterback. Yes, the quarterback's back. Yes, and they got Colin Johnson on the other side and a lot of really good defensive players. So, I mean, I'm that guy, dude. I, I was I want every kid on the West Coast to stay in the West Coast. I mean, I want everyone to stay in the play in the Pac-12. Or go to Boise State, San Diego State, San Jose State, Fresno State, BYU. I would, I want everyone, but at the same time, I thought it was such a, a manly move of him to leave his comfort zone at USC and go to Texas. I really wanted to see it play out. But yeah. like I said, it, it, now that he's back home, I, yeah, I'm definitely excited. And obviously, it's huge for USC because, I mean, they had such a horrible ah. season. Right. Bad Such a horrible yeah. off season from a just a public nightmare in terms of just the media coverage. Yes, and Brew leaving was just a big part of that. So now that Brew's coming back, excuse the dog, um, with Brew coming back, I think it kind of almost like it, it actually helps the image a little bit, right? Because that was when he left, that was like, oh, another one. USC is really imploding now. So I think it's it's good for them for sure. No, I, I think I think. Um, in five years, I think we'll look back on this whole 
scenario and we will pinpoint this as maybe a turning point for the USC football program. Love Amon Ra. Love Amon Ra. But he he's not Brew McCoy. You you don't you don't win championships. Okay, I'm gonna say it like this. I know from experience as a player and a coach and a fan of the game, you win championships with horses. And I say that very figuratively. You win championship with those big, strong horses. That's who you win with. You look at that Texas program when they won a championship, right? They had some stuff. A rack ball, Vince Young. When you got those big, strong, physical horses, that's how you win titles. Love Amon Ra. Love a lot of their guys they got going on. But they don't have a Brew McCoy. They don't. They got a Michael Pittman who's really good. They they have um, the other receiver, the kid from Bishop of Mont. Taliban. They have Taliban, who I really like, but they're not Brew McCoy. You need those physical mismatches that dominate a series, a game, a conference. That's who he is. That's what he will provide. That's how you win titles. So... Five years from now, Greg, I think we look back and we, and we say, hey, remember this? That's when it all started. So Yeah. Um, I think, I think you know, it was funny. I was talking to, you know, just some, some parents that were actually out with us Saturday night. I, I actually, I agree um, to some extent. I do think Amon Ra is a horse, though. I think he's a smaller horse, but he's, like, I don't know if you've seen him this offseason. The guy is jacked. But if you, if you take him and hopefully a healthy Kyle Ford – and a, and a Brew McCoy and right. not this year but two years from now right now all of a sudden they, you know, they, I think they open up with Alabama in two years now you got JT in his third year uh, third year Amon Ra uh, second year Brew McCoy and hopefully a healthy Kyle Ford now you're going 6'2", 215 6'2", 220 and Amon Ra is six feet but the strong, probably the strongest guy on the team pound for pound right all of a sudden you know when you're used to seeing Alabama just bully those guys those are three guys I think it's going to be a little bit tougher to bully around a little bit. So I'm, yeah. two years from now, I think, could be an interesting year for USC. That's a good, great point. And, and again, no slight at Amon Ra. No slight. Uh, I'm just talking mismatch, physical mismatches, right? Um, love Amon Ra. I think now up for, they got to address the line of scrimmage, Greg. And I don't mean to take this off on a USC rant. The way they got ran over by Ohio State a couple of years ago in the Rose Bowl. You know, Stanford, you know, normally pushes them around at the point of attack. You got to address the line of scrimmage. You, you want to know how Pete won? It wasn't because of all those skilled guys. It's because he had guys, he recruited guys like Sean Cody, Mike Patterson, Lawrence Jackson, one of my former players. Greg, that's how you win, right? Those those mismatches on the outside and those animals in the trenches. Do they have the animals in the trenches now, Greg? Do they? You know their roster. I don't. I, yeah, I, I, mean, I did catch a spring uh, practice. We've had yeah. this conversation before, just right. the West Coast. I just don't know if we actually have those guys. Out you here. Have to be super creative and, and, and pick your spots and, and be really good with your evaluations and do the whole, like – you know, recruit Jack Yeri for left tackle, not for tight end. Who who wants a tight end anyways? 
I want a left tackle more than a tight end. No I think question. You impact the game a lot more as a left tackle than a tight end. You, you need to be creative that way, and, and just maybe it's just I think it's hard. You know, like I said I love Pete Carroll, but when he was dominating, Alabama wasn't Alabama. There was no Clemson. It just football was different back then. I think it's a little bit different now in just terms of you know guys in the South aren't so quick to leave, and there's so many more established programs in the South. Like I, even back then, Ohio State wasn't Ohio State. It was you know it, it was different, but. Not to, not to take anything away from Pete or from those USC teams, I agree a thousand percent. You can't win unless you dominate up front. Just period. End of high school, college, or NFL. Yeah, just, yeah, doesn't matter. You know, Pop Warner, Tiddly Winks, yep. foosball, whatever. Yep. yep. <laughs> no doubt about it. It brings me back to a conversation I was having with a coach. He's like, "Yeah, you know, we want to schedule your your nine U team." He says, we're a 10-U team. I said, that's cool. You can schedule us. He's like, man, we're going to throw that thing all over the place. I said, that's cool. We're going to run the ball every play. And we're going to knock all 11 of your guys on the ground. Just because, you know, our trenches on our team are really good. I coach them hard. We punish people up front. And we blow open big holes. So that just adds to what you were saying. And I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse. But can we get some guys up front? Please, child. Please. Whew. I guess we got in the trenches. All right. I want to move from Brew McCoy because we, we've, we've hit that over the head. There's more news out there, Greg, and I'm fascinated. I don't even know if that's the right word. Talk to me about what else is happening with the USC football program in terms of trans... I, I guess you... I guess you classify this as a transfer. Transfers. What do you got? Yeah, I guess it would classify as a transfer if it goes down. And this is, you know, recorded on a Tuesday. It's going to air on a Wednesday. But a lot of buzz right now, Keith, that not only is Brim McCoy coming back, but Chris Steele via Florida, via Oregon commit, could be coming back full circle to USC, where he originally committed the summer before his senior year of high school. His story is is is, uh, is crazy. I mean, if I ever write a book, man, he's getting a chapter. It's, uh, you know, everyone knows he actually committed to UCLA originally as a sophomore, decommitted USC, decommitted Florida at the All-American Bowl, transferring, committed to Oregon, and now a lot of buzz about USC and I actually think if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, but if I was, I, I would I would predict that I think Chris does end up back at, at USC, um, you know, for a, a lot of reasons. Number one, I, I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, the family just always kind of wanted him closer to home and, and loved the USC uh, academics, the degree, the alumni support, all that. I think Chris is kind of seeing, you know, the, the band kind of coming back together again. I think that, that plays a role. I think when he originally committed to Florida, uh, excuse me, when he came home from Florida, when he committed to Oregon, you know, we all thought he was going to be going to USC. I said, done deal. He's coming back home. When you when you come back home and have a, you know, maybe not a great experience, the last thing you want to do is leave. You want to come back home to stay home. Um, but the, the, the thing I heard was that USC was out of rides for the 2019 class. And now I'm hearing that, you know, a ride has opened up. You know, a member of the 2019 class has not qualified, which opened up a spot. And I think, again, not saying it's a done deal, but I, I think there's a good chance right now that Chris could feel that last 2019 spot and be back as a Trojan. 
So, so essentially, what you're saying is they're going to take somebody else's scholarship uh, because I know I know how this is framed. Yeah, I know, but it's the way it's framed. That's on you, right? Right, right. I'd like to. I like. I'd like to see the facts on that, but. Um, I only speak in facts, my man Keith Miller. So you know this to be fact. I, I do, I do. I'm a member of the 2019 class. I, I've heard, again, I'm not going to identify him. Obviously, sure, but sure. I've, I've spoken to his, his high school coach. Okay, okay, then I'm, I'm good. I'm good with that. I thought it was <clears throat> just kind of more of hearsay, just in terms of you, you're hearing that they have something available. So if that's fact, and that's fact. Um, heard Chris Steele was on campus yesterday. I don't know. So before I heard Chris Steele was on campus yesterday, I saw a edit of him committed to Oregon. I had, like, li- literally within hours. I mean, that was that whole three weeks ago, though, Keith. So, come uh, on now. This I'm just crazy. I'm just trying to tell you what I saw. What I, I, I'm, I'm online. I'm on, I'm on my Twitter. It was like, Chris Steele committed to Oregon. I'm like, oh, cool. Go do your thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm saying he committed a whole three weeks ago. So, I mean, you think a commitment is, you know, that long ago? Still, still, I'm being facetious here. I'm not sure because you're picking up on my sarcasm. He, uh, not only did he commit just three weeks ago, Keith, he actually took his official visit to Oregon over the weekend. So uh, <clears throat> I thought it was a done deal. I honestly thought it was a done deal. Um, but like you said, man, the word leaked out. He was actually on campus yesterday. And I also heard not only that, he was actually, actually on campus the day before he left for Oregon. So he's been on USC's campus twice in the last week. And so when you kind of put all the little pieces together. Sure. Yeah, I think it's definitely looking favorable for USC. How do you so, feel if you're Oregon? If I'm the Oregon coaches, he signs with Florida, which is you know his prerogative. And I'm talking about Chris Steele. Leaves Florida and says, I want to come to Oregon. And you open up your arms. Not only do you open up your arms, you bring the kid in on the official visit. I'm sure he had a great time. We all know Oregon is a beautiful place um, in Eugene and the campus and so on and so forth. It, but before he comes, he's up at USC. Comes to an official visit, returns from an official visit, he's back up at you. If I'm the Oregon coach, I'm... I, we don't ever speak again. I'm just putting myself in the Oregon coach's... I'm putting myself in their shoes. And I know it's recruiting, and recruiting is is a lot like, I don't even want to call it dating. It's kind of like um, catfishing. Right? And, man, they've got to just be sick to their stomach. They're probably a little disgruntled, Keith. <laughs> I would say they're probably a little on the disappointed side. Yeah, because obviously you know they put in a lot of work and they're trying to get Chris to, you know, I, I heard the visit went really well and you know they're trying to put the the waiver together so he can be eligible immediately, which I think, uh, you know, I think he's got a really good chance of, you know, in light of the reasons uh, for him leaving Florida, I, I think that he does a great chance considering how you know Tate Martell got a waiver to play right away. I think Chris probably has a you know a great chance and look like they're gonna. Match him out, match him up in that secondary with some other real talented youngsters. The Lenore, Mikael Wright, Thomas Graham, you know, 
looking like a strong, strong secondary. So, hmm. interesting. So we shall see. Like I said, I don't think anything's official yet. Today is Wednesday when this will be airing. I, my guess is by the end of this week, if not sooner, we'll probably hear something. I do know USC needs some help in the secondary. When I went to go watch spring practice, I was not impressed. I'm a, I'm just going to say that. I wasn't impressed by the secondary play. It looked like a batch of average high school players. Other than probably, you know, Isaiah Taylor, Taylor Stewart, who still needs a ton of work. It looked was OG bad. out there working out or was he, he still a little banged up? He was, he was not um, in equipment. So he wasn't, you know, officially in practice. He was kind of, he was practicing, yeah. but wasn't practicing. So you had Isaiah Langley, you yeah. had Greg Johnson with Max out there. Max was out there, but he wasn't out there. Sure. So he and OG were kind of off to the side a little bit, but you said, you know, Greg Johnson um, has not lived up to what his projection was in high school. Isaiah Langley, him either. Isaiah Taylor, Isaiah Taylor story, even though he's still young, has not, he's not scratched the surface yet. Um, they need some help. Yeah. They need some big time help. So yeah, I'm just curious, being a recruiting guy, how this how this affects 2020. Because I actually thought USC was probably probably leading for Jerion Green Warren. You, you just kind of wonder, you know, how many is, is Chris taking a spot away from a 2020 kid? You know, so we'll see how those kind of dominoes play out. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if if, if I'm Darion Green Warren, I don't flinch one bit. If they got us, if they have a, if my offer's still on the table, I'm taking that and I'm running with that. Sure, sure. <clears throat> but yeah, like you said, though, it, it is interesting on how that will all play out because, you know, there are only so many scholarships. There are only so many numbers you can have on your team. And, and that's what I was referring to. I wasn't, wasn't saying Darion's going to flinch. I'm right. saying more of a case of does, does USC still have, a, still have spots available? Right, right. No, that, that'll be definitely interesting. So, a lot of stuff. Stuff. At the USC recruiting football office, and uh, hopefully, an exciting place to be right now in that office. I bet. What do you, What do you think the vibe is there right now, Greg? What, what do you think? I think it's positive. You know, again, talking to you know a lot of people, it sounds like you know. And obviously, I want to see results, but it sounds like this off season, uh, although the press wasn't always kind. I just come out of spring practice. I think it's, it's been a much more positive vibe. The players have kind of bought in. The new strength coach is a huge upgrade. Uh, the new, like I said, the new offensive line coach, Tim Drevno, going from running back coach was an upgrade. Bringing in Graham Harrell is an upgrade. I think they're excited to play. So again, we'll we'll see. You know, they come out with I want to say what Fresno State in the, in the opener, and I know Stanford's one of their first three games. I want to say they played BYU maybe. Um, but I think we'll know right away. Those are three schools that aren't slouches. So I think we'll know right away. What's up? But from what I understand, this year, as opposed to you know, right when the season ended last year, yeah. where it was like everyone's like, "Dude, fire everybody! I hate this team." Wow. I, I just find kind of a little bit of a little bit of positivity going on right now with with Brew and and maybe even Steele and just more of a positive energy, uh, an exciting offense the kids want to play in. So, yeah, we'll see. It's gonna be interesting. Let's move to something a little less positive, Greg. A little less positive. And I, I hate to be the the bearer of 
less positive news. Let's talk Narbonne football. There, there's an investigation going on of some academic misconduct. That's as far as I know, Greg. And that's almost as far as I want to say. We have to obviously touch upon it, right? But it's so sensitive. And all I know is... is wait, wait, wait. This. Don't say all you know. All you're okay. willing to share. There you go. Okay. Thank you for the correction. Okay. Let's just say this. We've all heard rumors about different things going on with Notre Dame. Or, uh, excuse me, Narbonne. I think I said Notre Dame. Yeah. And, and I heard, you know, and, and been reading about, oh, it's not really football-related per se. It's more academic type stuff. But, you know, with Manny Douglas, you know, word came out last week. I think LA Times did an article last week. Um, you know, Manny Douglas is being uh, temporarily reassigned. When a school does that, Keith, and you know this as being a former teacher, yeah. you don't reassign a head coach without a lot more juice than just there was a little bit of academic impropriety. You know, there's there's something else going on behind the scenes. Yep. And I think it's it's a little scary. Um, wow. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, obviously, we're both been big fans of the program, and we have friends over there. Yes. Michael Clayton, Brandon Montemayulio. I, I, I go 20 years back with Manny. Um Tim Cobb, who occasionally calls the plays, is a longtime friend. Many others. So I've always liked the fact that Narbonne was the one city school who, you know, could compete at a at a higher level. City football is so down. But yeah, just some of the buzz and some of the rumors that, you know, that I've been hearing in the last twenty four to forty eight hours sounds like there could be uh, some some major stuff coming out. Again, not my place to put that out there yet. I'm I'm hearing a lot of the same stuff. A lot of people have been saying and, and hearing it, but I'm not. I don't want to be a, a gossip monger, but it, I, I will say this. Like I said before, man, it's it just it's not looking pretty, and I just uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of want to leave it at that until until more stuff kind of organically comes out. I want to be the one to throw it out there, right. but you know, eventually, it seems like these kind of things have a way of coming to the surface. Normally, as a teacher, when they put you on reassignment, that means that they are investigating heavily the everything that surrounds you as a teacher. They're talking to, and when you're a teacher coach, they're talking to your assistants, they're talking to the players, they're talking to parents, they're talking to everybody, and they've basically removed you out of the nucleus so that there wouldn't be any obstruction going on, right? They don't want any obstruction going on. They don't want somebody saying something and blah, 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 you know, because the coach is here. So they just kind of remove you from the situation, and then they go in. And I've never been a, a part of a Fed probe, but I, I, I have been a part of a teacher probe, definitely. I've been probed before. Absolutely. They'll pull your students out and they'll sit them in and interrogate them, basically. And then they'll be writing statements about you. He told me, me and my boyfriend were out late last night. That's what they'll do. So, man, Greg. That's the worst of being pro, man. Just, uh. Uh, 
I'm sure you've never been probed, Greg Biggins. I have. But you, know, you said that, I immediately just thought of like the whole turn your head and cough thing. Who wants to go through that <laughs> nonsense? The whole turn your head and cough thing. No, it, it's it's not it's not a pretty sight. And I'm sure there are <clears throat> I'm sure there are some people feeling very like I opened up the show with uneasy, Greg. I guarantee you. Dude, are, I'm on I'm uneasy and I'm not even involved. Exactly. So can you imagine about what the folks who are involved? Very uneasy. And um yeah, I guess, you know, I'll wait for the facts to come out. I don't I all I know is what was what's been reported in the LA Times. The only thing I know. And this all came out when I was on the East Coast doing a showcase. And uh young Seven McGee transferred back to East High School in upstate New York. Uh, didn't ask him about it, but um, we'll see. We'll wait for the facts to come out, Greg. And uh, you think things are gonna come out pretty, pretty uh, quickly here? Is that fair enough to say? I, I would say that's fair. From, from what I'm hearing, maybe within the next, I don't know, forty-eight to seventy-two hours. Right. It's gonna be interesting, fans. Well, that's all we got for you today, man. I am out of breath. I'm out of thought but let me just say this before we go if just be a man of your word stand stand on your word if you're gonna if you say you're gonna do something do it if if, if you're not gonna do the right things don't be involved I know it's hard I know, see life isn't hard we make it hard because we want to act a fool <sighs> Greg Biggins, high school football. What is that? has it evolved into? The high school football and high school football athletes. Probably not even high school football. Basketball is probably a part of this too. It's become too big to where you can't control it anymore. You just can't control it. It's out of control. It's out of control. You know who I blame? Greg, do you know who I blame? Who do you blame, Keith? Adidas. Adidas is always to blame. What about Nike, dude? <laughs> Trying to steal the thunder from my guy Kawhi Leonard, teacher, teacher <laughs> Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, tell me about it. What is that about? Can we blame <clears throat> them too. No, I was just joking. I, you know, I don't know who to blame. I'm really not looking for anything to, anybody to blame. It just can we do things right? How about that? Can we just do things right? Blame the man. <laughs> you gonna blame the man? <laughs> okay. How about does it, man? We're gonna wrap this baby. Yeah, we appreciate you guys for rocking with us. This is transparent. Truth. School of School of Rock. No. Oh my gosh. Dude, it's a great kid-friendly movie. Jack Black is awesome. I remember. I remember Jack Black played in it. The late Jack Black, right? I hope not. I didn't know he passed. Didn't he pass? I hope not. I didn't hear that one. Man, hold on. I'm pretty sure Jack suck. Black passed. Dude, I don't think so. But I remember School of Rock. I do remember that. Dude, um, watch I it didn't, with your I didn't kids. watch. They it. will love it. Really? Is it appropriate? Movie that's hilarious. Okay. Yeah, Jack Black, right here. Yeah, no. He didn't pass. Let me see. Start. Okay, dude, you, I, I, I was already feeling uneasy about the whole Narbonne thing. Now you got Jack Black dead. Come on, man. I'm, I'm on the edge here. Yeah, no, he's 49 years old. He's good. Jack, hang in there, bro. We appreciate you guys for joining us, man. It's Coach Keith. It's GB. It's the Transparent Truth. Tune in for Friday, man. We're talking um, college camp etiquette. College camp etiquette. It's an important show. Parents, prospects, tune in. We'll see you there. It's a new, it's a new sheriff in town. And his name is Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.